0: Can I pray for us real quick? Just stay there for a second. Let's just pray, can we? He is faithful, and I want to just thank him for his faithfulness. Father God, you are so good. And Lord, we love you this morning. What a joy it is to give back to you all that you've given to us. There's nothing we have that is not yours. What a joy it is to be able to for our families, for our own hearts and souls just to give back and say, God, everything you've given me is already yours. So was, it's a joy. It's a joy to give it back to you. Lord, I'm so thankful for all you're doing in South City, all you're doing in our lives, and our families, and our hearts. God, we want more of you. We want more of you, Lord. So continue to help us just to follow you and seek you and know you and uh, be discipled to you, Jesus. That's our prayer. And we thank you for it, in Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. Is God faithful this morning? Yes. Yeah, he is. Well, if you've uh, not been here very often, you've only been here a few times, we're, we just want to say thanks for coming. We're so honored that you're here. I've met several people this morning that this is your first time to come, and you kind of, I try to explain to new folks that come in what they're walking into in these sort of small groups times, it's just kind of strange, I know it, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> But we just believe there's a couple of conversations, there's some conversations that are so important that we want to make sure everybody gets it. And those conversations are, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? And what does it mean to be the family of God, to be the church? And so we've taken time out of our normal worship schedule just to kind of stop, push pause, and say, let's make sure everybody gets this. And so that's what you kind of come into this morning. We're in our fourth week of uh, belonging to a family of families. And uh, so it's just a really sweet time for our church Thank you for being with us today. Let me ask this question. How many of you, men especially, and some ladies like to do this too, but you like to build things? I don't care what, you know, it's the stuff you like to build. All right, well good, yeah. I, I kind of fall into that some. I didn't say I'm good at it, but I do like to build some things. There's something about being a man and having like a, you know, your power tool. It's like, it's like grilling. It's just the man's right. To be a man, we build things. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I started working on some some raised beds in the backyard, you know. And and uh, again, I said I'm not good, but I'm I'm learning some some qualities of what it means to be a good builder of some things. And one thing that I've noticed about building things is uh, if you really want it to turn out really great, you should probably use a level. You know what a level is it's important that you use a level. I've built things with levels and without, and trust me, they, they work out much better if it's level. It looks a lot better if it's level, right? If it's square, is this, this is true, right, Bob? So it looks better if it's level, if it's square, and the reality is it actually has a lot more uh, stability. The structure is more structurally sound if it's been level. Let me give you an example. Say you bought a penthouse, top of a 50, 60-story building, and you walk up to the construction site. And you see the foreman working on the girders, the beams that are going to hold up your 60-story penthouse. And he's like, ah, look, that's good enough. How would that make you feel? It looks, eh, that's pretty, I'll call it good. That's, you know. It's one thing to do that in your raised bed in the flower garden, right? It's another thing to do that with a uh, skyscraper. See, we use tools like levels or a plumb line. Some of you old-timers know what a plumb line is. You know, a plumb line is this thing that has a weight on it and a string, and it it holds straight. And so, especially bricklayers will use this plumb line to make sure that their work is straight. It's important that when you're building something, you're doing it, you're putting something over it to help guide you, to give you instruction, right? It's the same thing with a life in Christ. It's the same thing with being, having a family, right? We want to lead our families and be easy. And sometimes we take the easy road and go, okay, just let the kids do that, or okay, I guess let's just not do church today, or we kind of base our decisions off how we feel, or maybe how somebody else feels, or what they're doing. Instead, listen, you got to hold something up to your life. You got to hold something up that's going to give it structure. It's going to be a filter for how you live and the decisions that you make because when you make them on how you feel, there's a chance that it's going to fall apart. In the same way that when you build something that has a lean to it, guess where that thing's going to fall apart, where it's leaning? 100% of the time it's going to fall apart in the direction that it's leaning. So, in the same way, we need a level for our families. We need a level for the family of the church. We need a plumb line, something to hold it up against, and make sure we're building with integrity. Do you agree with that? That's what God's Word is. It gives us this perfect example uh, of what direction we need to go, right? Um, So we try to live our lives as believers in Jesus under the authority of of God's direction. And God has given us some specific uh, rules, some specific guidelines, right? We talked about that last week. He's given us three specific uh, guidelines or texts. Uh, in what it means to have a family, to raise your family, your immediate family. Uh, We talked about Ephesians 5 and 6 last week. We talked about — in some of your groups you talked about Colossians 3 or 1 Peter 3. Those are great texts for what it means to raise a family. And We talked about last week that, listen, every person in the family is important. We have equal value in the family, right? But we have unique roles. All our roles aren't the same. Our value may be the same, but our roles are different. And if we we'll follow the, the design that God has for his family, we have the best chance of having the most structurally uh, uh, sound families that we can have because we're following God's design. So this week, we're talking about the family of the church, right? We're talking about what does it mean to be the family of God? We know the church is not a building. It's not a club. It's not just something we do because it seems nice for Christians to get together and connect with each other. No, we're following a plan. It's not my plan. It's not the former pastor's plan. It's not some other pastor's plan who was really good at putting people together. It was the pastor's plan. You know who the pastor is? Jesus. He's the chief shepherd of the church. He has a plan for the church, a design that works. So in the same way, last week we talked about the important roles of husbands and wives and moms and dads and kids. This week, we're kind of talking about the important roles in the church. And so we see words and terms like elders, right? Older men, older women, younger men, younger women. We see widows. We, we see these terms in these, these, these people that make up the family of God and how important they are. They, uh, this week's discussion comes from 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and Titus. So let's just read those real quick, if we can. No, we're not going to read those. I just wanted to see if you had a reaction for a second. But if you ought to, you ought to read those. That's a great uh, context for the story and for the conversation about what it means to be the family of God. You've been reading these this morning, so we're not going to uh, read these over again. Let me just give you a little uh, background here before we go. We're going to go in just a few minutes. Um, this is the thing. So in Titus chapter 1, Paul speaks to Titus and Timothy are both kind of sons in the faith. They're apprentices to Paul. And he's helping invest in them Uh, so that they can be church leaders, not just individual church leaders, but leaders of the movement of God in the church. And what he says to Titus in chapter 1 is, find some godly men, and he gives qualifications what those godly men should be and how they should live and what it should look like for them to lead the church. But I just want to kind of raise your attention to something because this is so neat to me. When I think about church leadership, I think about solid businessmen, they're good with finance. They're good with organization. They're good with well, all these different areas. And there may be some men who are theologically astute, and they may have seminary degrees, and they may be this or that. When I th- you think about church leadership, typically we kind of think about those things. But I want you to see when we read Titus 1, Paul puts such an emphasis on godly fathers. Now, we need those, those other men. We need those men. But he puts an emphasis on being godly fathers. And I want you to think about how neat it is that he does that because he didn't want us to run just a corporation here or some organization. He wants us to be a family. And so if those godly fathers can raise their own families as godly, loving fathers, then we put some of those together, then they can father the family of God. Have you ever thought of it that way? Have you ever thought of the church that way? It should be led by godly fathers. When we think of church that way, it changed, to me, it changes the whole context. Now it's not just organizational structure, it's this loving uh, opportunity we have as leaders to serve you as family. Bar none, one of the greatest things in my life is that I'm a daddy. I, I love it. I love it so much. I'm so honored and privileged to be a father. I love my kids. I try to discipline my kids, I try to teach my kids, I try to play with my kids and have fun with them, the relationships with my kids, I give them so much grace. So much. But also try to teach them the right things. I just, just imagine if we had a family of godly fathers and we could lead in such a way of grace and love and kindness. I want the best for my kids. I'm willing to sacrifice for my kids, and you are too. And that's what God was trying to teach us in Titus 1 as as he talks to us about what it could be if we had godly fathers as the leaders in the church. Can I just mention a couple of things here before we go? I just want to run down this list. And if you're in any of these categories, and we're all going to fall into one of these categories, I want you to think about the characteristics of these categories, okay? Think about these characteristics that, that matter to you in Titus 2. First thing he says in verse 1 is we need to have sound doctrine. What is that? It's just right thinking about what the Word of God says. That's what sound doctrine is. Right thinking about what God's Word says. Okay? But what Paul's trying to say to Titus is it's not enough to know something. You can't just have knowledge. We need to have lifestyles that accompany a good knowledge and understanding of God's Word. And so that's why there's, yeah, we need good doctrine. But we actually need people living that good doctrine. Because when we live good doctrine, we live in a way that God has designed, we prove the good doctrine. It's not enough just to have some knowledge, right? So let's go to this text real quick if we can, and we'll run down a few of these things. I just want to make a couple of points to you before we go. They're good enough to hit twice this morning, okay? So this is Titus 2. Paul says in, uh, in verse 2, he talks about older men. And I'm going to just put a number on this just so you can give some clarity to thinking about am I in this category. So if you're 50 and uh, above men... Um, you're, you're going to be considered an older man. Okay. Now when I get 50, we may change the age to 55, (laughs) just as long as we're clear on that. Okay. But for now, if you're 50 and older, you're considered an older man today. All right. So listen to this. And also notice this guys, he starts with us. Men, he starts with you. That's some, there's significance to that. All right. And I'll just put it this way. A healthy church always begins with godly men who know their roles, And they lead in humility and strength. It's the truth. Verse 2, look at this. Older men are are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. So men, if you're over 50, I want you to think through those characteristics. In a personal way, I want you to look in the mirror and say, hey, am I sober-minded? Can someone look at my life and say he's dignified, he's self-controlled, he's sound in faith, in love, and he's steadfast? I hope so. We don't have time to break these down and to work through all these things, but I would just pray that God would just use these characteristics for you to look at and consider in your own life, in your own heart. Older women and younger women, uh, Paul speaks to them both in verses starting at verse 3. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to too much wine. They're to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Now, ladies, let me just, can I just warn you real quick? Don't let a couple of cultural specifics of a word <laughs> stop you from hearing the heart of this passage. Do you know how important you are? You are so important to the church. Now, I'm talking about, indiv- you're imp- we, we know how important you are to the family. We don't make it. Right? Well, guess what? The church doesn't make it either without you. We need you. So, so hear the heart of what we're trying to say here. Older women, reverent in behavior, uh, not to be controlled by some substance, to teach, to reach out to young women, to train young women. Young women, that means we have to listen, it means we have to, to take this instruction to learn to love your husbands and your children. To be controlled and pure and working at home and kind and submissive doesn't mean you can't work out of the home. It just means that your number one priority in life is your family. You can have a wonderful career, but if your career is more important to you than the success of your family, something is upside down. It's the same for you too, men. okay? It's just pointing us in the direction. It's just a level. We're just holding up the level saying, God, what? What's going to be the best way to build the church of Jesus? Younger men, likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned. So that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Younger men, are you hearing those things? Put that mirror up in front of your heart and ask the question, is this who I am? If you're 50 and below, you need to listen to this. Is this who I am? Am I living my life in such a way that this is true of me? If not, let's get to work. God's got work to do in our hearts and our lives. And then lastly, Paul speaks to this cultural thing that we talked about last week. He uses the word bondservants or slaves, depending upon your translation. We're talking about specifically kind of working relationships. This is, again, a cultural specific. uh, Bondservants were, were, um, they owed something to a family, and so they... Came in with the family, lived with the family, and paid off a debt. Okay? So see that as a cultural thing. But for those of us that have jobs, and that's most of us, right? We've got either people that are working for us or people we are working for. And it says this in verse 9. Bond, bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters and everything. That will be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that in everything may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. This is what it's saying. If you work in such a way that they go, well, I knew that guy was a Christian, but man, by the way he works, who is this God? It needs to, the way you care for your company, your boss, your work ethic, or the people that work for you, it needs to say something about what you believe. It's just that simple. Okay, we're gonna close. Um, But before we do, I just wanna say this. South City Church wants to be the kind of church that has sound doctrine. We do. But we have to prove that sound doctrine with the lives that we live. There have to be people who are living in such a way that it proves that they know God's plan and design and direction, and that includes his church, that includes his church. And then I want to say this too, in order for us to influence people, which a lot of this text that we've read through this morning is talking about influence, older men influencing younger men and older women influencing younger women, guess what? You'll never influence anybody you don't know. If you don't know them, you won't influence them the way that you can in the church. So we got to do a better job of crossing the aisle and connecting with each other. Older men, younger men. Older women, younger women. We got to find a way to know each other. And in order to influence each other, we got to actually have the courage to speak into each other's lives. Are we doing that? Do we know a younger couple? That we could say, hey, can I just, I want to encourage you. You might consider dot, dot, dot. Hey, I'm praying for you because I remember when I was married, when my husband was living, or when we went through this thing in our marriage, we did this and it was a mistake. I, I'm just praying that you could do that. Can you imagine what a beautiful family we could be if we had those kind of relationships, older and younger together? Because our dream is that South City would be multi-generational church. That we could love people of all Ages because they're all a part of the body of Christ. It's not easy. And we got to do some work to get there, but we're going to get there. But also, younger people, when we finally begin to build these relationships, the thing we got to do, we got to listen. We got to respect and humility, and we got to listen. We got to do this together to be the family that God wants us to be. I want to bring your attention to one last thing before we go. I've printed out some sheets here. Have you ever heard of the one another's of scripture? You heard of that before? The one another's of scripture? Well, let me just give you a a little heads up. There's a bunch of them in the New Testament, especially. And it basically just tells us how to love each other, how to care for one another. I'm gonna just read a few of them. Love one another, serve one another, accept one another, strengthen one another, help one another, encourage one another, care for one another, forgive one another, submit to one another. I hadn't even gotten through a third. Do you think the New Testament authors thought that these were important for us to know how to live together as the body and family of Christ? But the reality is we won't do it well unless we learn this. So I've only printed a few back there, 50 or so. So take one as a family unit, if you will. But would you read over this? Would you pray over this? And would you do what we've asked several of you to do this morning? Put it up as a mirror in your life and say, am I I doing this well? Can I do this better? Because we want South City to be the family of God that he wants us to be. And unless we're doing these things, we'll never get there. We'll never get there. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you for the family you've given us. Thank you for these people. Thank you for for these friends, these guests that are getting a chance to peek in on our heart for what is important to us, Lord. God, it's not our desire to be the coolest church in town. We, that's not our desire. It's not our desire to have the, the most blowing, going, whatever. Like we want to just be a family that loves you, seeks you, knows you, makes you known, loves each other well, learns to be the disciples you want us to be, learns what it means to disciple other people. We want to be about the mission of Jesus here in this city, in this community, around the world, God, in this state, where, wherever you would lead us, Jesus. That we would be faithful and true to your great commission that you've asked us to be a part of, to to serve you in that way. And Lord, the way we're going to do that is to be a family. To truly understand what it means to do these one another's. They're not easy. And culturally, it's not easy to connect with people in different stages of life. And yet, in this text, you've called us to be just that. So Lord, may we put aside some of our preferences May we put aside some of our cultural differences and some of the difficulties of these conversations and press into what it means to be the true family of Jesus. We'll do it by your grace, and I pray that you help us to do it for your glory. Thank you for this time together in Jesus' precious name. Amen.